Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Recycling Farm Plastics, the Irish Farmers Journal Land Price Report for 2022, Mr. Coleman Purcell, nutritionist with Dairy Gold Agribusiness, Lumberstown Mill, discusses which areas in terms of animal feeding are topical at the moment and what farmers should be focusing on. But first, Dairy Gold confirms February milk price. Dairy Gold has reduced the February quoted milk price by 6 cents per litre to 46 cents per litre based on standard constituents of 3.3% protein and 3.6% butterfat, inclusive of sustainability and quality bonuses and VAT. In addition, the February early calving bonus of 2.10 cents per litre, including VAT, will be paid on milk supplied in February in accordance with the milk quality criteria. Therefore, milk supplied in February that qualifies for the early calving bonus will have a quoted milk price of 48.10 cents per litre. The February milk price equates to an average February farm gauge milk price of 55 cents per litre based on average February milk solids achieved by Dairy Gold milk suppliers. The quoted milk price for February, based on EU standard constituents of 3.4% protein and 4.2% butterfat, is 50.2 cents per litre. A company spokesperson commented that, quote, dairy market prices have continued to weaken due to increased global milk supplies and reduced demand driven by inflationary pressures. The outlook for market returns is still uncertain, but Dairy Gold will continue to maximise the returns from dairy ingredients to pay milk suppliers. The Dairy Gold Board will continue to monitor markets closely and review milk price on a month-by-month basis. A statement there from Dairy Gold confirming the February milk price. Mr. Pat McCormack, president of the ICMSA, said that an alarming gap is already opening between the milk price paid to farmers by their co-ops and the corresponding inputs costs charged by those same co-ops. Mr. McCormack said that for long periods last year, input costs had actually surpassed milk price and farmers were left, quote, running to stand still, but could at least look at specific inflation causes and figures and know what was happening. Mr McCormack contended that what was happening now was that the input prices in Ireland were remaining mystifyingly high when farmers could just as easily see they were falling steadily internationally and by exactly the same indices as the Irish co-ops had cited when their own prices were soaring just last year. Mr McCormack further contended that if prices on international markets dictated those input price rises last year, why were reductions on inputs internationally not working their way through to reductions in the prices charged by co-ops now, he asked. 
ICSA will host a meeting to address issues affecting the sheep sector on Tuesday 21st of March. The meeting will take place in the Bush Hotel, Carrick on Shannon, and will start 8pm. All farmers are welcome to attend. Speakers on the evening include Oliver Crow, CC, Agricultural Consultants, theme of maximising payments under the new cap, board beer, market outlook and promotion of Irish lamb, Sean McNamara, ICSA Sheep Chair, the ICSA's campaign for an emergency aid package for sheep farmers and additional funding for the Sheep Improvement Scheme. ICSA Sheep Chair, Mr Sean McNamara, said he was inviting all sheep farmers to come along and have their say on the current state of the sheep sector. The meeting will take place on 21st of March at the Bush Hotel, Carrick and Shannon, starting 8pm, and all sheep farmers invited to attend. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President Mr Dermot Kelleher said pushing back the payment dates for important agri-schemes is unacceptable. He's called to the Department of Agriculture to scrap its proposals. At a recent meeting of the Farmers' Charter, he said, the department put forward a set of proposals which would mean the payment dates of certain schemes would be pushed back by up to a month. Mr Kelleher said representatives from the ICSA made it very clear that any interfering with payments would be unacceptable. The West Cork-based ICSA national president, Dermot Kelleher, said he was particularly alarmed by a proposal to hold back ANC payments for four weeks and set a new payment date of mid-October. Mr Kelleher said the September ANC payment is hugely important to farmers. It's a very busy and expensive time of the year for all families, and farm families are no different. The ICSA, he said, could see no justification for delaying or withholding farmers' income, particularly at a time when making ends meet has become more difficult than ever. ICSA has also expressed alarm at proposals to delay the BIS payment by a week. Again, Mr Kellar said, this will lead to unnecessary hardship for farmers by meddling with traditional payment dates. This, he said, would be unacceptable for any worker in any sector and these proposals must be binned. IFA President Tim Conlon said, an analysis carried out by the IFA shows the price differential for fertiliser between here and the north could cost farmers a quarter of a billion euro in 2023 if not passed on to farmers. Fertiliser from the north has been delivered to farmers in Wexford as part of the IFA's campaign to highlight the price differential between the products here in the Republic and in Northern Ireland. IFA President Tim Connell said the cost of this order of can, if purchased locally, would have been nearly 30% higher based on recent quotes. Coming up next, Mr Coleman Purcell, nutritionist with Dairy Gold Agribusiness at Lumberstown Feed Mills. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Coleman Purcell, nutritionist, Agri-Division Dairy Gold, at the Lumberstown Mill near Mallow. First of all, Coleman, welcome to the programme. Now, in terms of animal feeding, what areas are topical at the moment and what indeed should farmers be focusing on? Uh, hi, John. Yes, I suppose um, calf rearing and uh, the feeding of freshly calved cows 
uh, are really the main areas of focus uh, at the moment in this regard. So for, for young calves, we really want to get a good growth rate um, and to achieve body weight targets, you know, to set them up for breeding at a later stage. Obviously, a, a good diet is only part of this, so we must also make sure that they're healthy and that they have a comfortable environment. Uh, from the point of view of our recently calved cows, we have two very important areas to focus on at the moment. Uh, one of these would be to minimise body condition loss between now and breeding, and also to get the cows well on their way to a good peak milk yield, uh, to set them up for a good lactation. What would the implications of a low growth rate be in calves, and what products do Dairy Gold, our sponsor, have to achieve this? Okay, well, some recent work from UCD uh, followed the growth rate of dairy heifers in a number of Irish commercial herds. So what they did was they weighed calves at birth in these herds and also at the point of breeding, and they were able to calculate the average growth rate during that period from birth to breeding. And this then was compared with the subsequent milk yield of those heifers after they calved out during their first lactation. And... What they found was that growth rates of about 0.82 kgs per day gave the optimal and the highest level of milk production. So calves that grew at a lower rate than that or significantly higher than that actually had a poorer milk yield. So 0.82 kgs per day would be a pretty high target for calves to achieve. And we believe that many heifers don't achieve this growth rate for a variety of reasons. And this could be limiting their performance later on after calving. So why, would, why should we focus so much on the calf stage in terms of growth rate, you might ask? Well, an animal's ability to convert solid feed into body weight, which is known as its food conversion efficiency, that disimproves a lot as the animal ages. So a young calf, for example, um, before weaning, would have a typical food conversion of two to one, which, by which we mean that the animal must see two kilos of dry matter in order to gain a kilo live weight. And by comparison, this disimproves or increases to three and a half to one for a calf force weaning and can increase, in fact, to as much as between eight and 15 to one for a mature animal. So you can see that as the animal ages, their ability to convert food intake into live weight gain disimproves. Uh, so the cheapest time really to put weight on the calf is when they're at their youngest and in practice, many people try to compensate for poor early performance by, by feeding the calves more in their first winter. And this practice is fine if the animals are behind target. And remember, they're still young, but it would be more efficient to get this weight gain on, on earlier. And in order to do it from a feeding point of view, I would suggest that a really palatable starter feed is ideal. At that stage, the focus ought to be on palatability of the feed. Uh, just to get the calves eating solid feed. And as soon as they are doing that, then the focus, I would suggest, needs to change immediately to nutrient density, and in particular energy and protein density, but also on protein digestibility, because some proteins, like soybeans, are much more digestible than others. And Dairy Gold's Calf Pride fits the bill ideally here. It, it, it's a hugely popular feed for high-performing calves in the indoor period. And we get great feedback from this product from our customers. So later on then, when the calves go to grass, um, the focus changes and our prime, our prime elite Rumi Force is the product of choice. And we might speak a bit more about this 
product at a later stage. At the moment, most cows uh, will not be at grass, so calf pride is the main feed being used. Um, and in the meantime, our area sales manager can advise on the ideal product for any particular situation. Coleman, could you please repeat those two products which you absolutely recommend? Okay, so in the indoor period when, when calves are on solid feed, um, we would recommend um, our calf pride. It's an 18% uh, cube, a high-performance cube. And once calves go to grass, um, the really big one then would be prime leaf roomy force. Uh, and as I said, it's probably a bit early to speak about that, but, but it is the huge, huge seller for, for, for calves at rest, you know, to control uh, rumen acidosis. Now, Coleman, getting a good BCS body condition score, very important, but could you explain, please, for our listeners, the importance of minimising BCS loss and, indeed, getting a good peak milk yield? OK, well, we have worked from more parts that shows the effects of body weight loss after calving on fertility. And, and some body condition loss is, is acceptable and unavoidable. In fact, there seems to be no issue with losses of up to a half a body condition score, you know, from calving up to breeding. The problem appears to be when we exceed this level and the six-week in calf weight after that drops very sharply. In fact, in the Moorpark work, they measure the 7% unit decrease in the six-week in calf weight. When you look at cows that were less than 2.75 body condition score and compare those to cows that were within 2.75 to 3 body condition score. So really, you'd like to be targeting an average herd body condition score of 2.9, you know, with a range of maybe 2.75 to 3.25. You'll always get a range in the herd because cows are no different to ourselves. You know, they're not uniform. In terms of peak milk yield, uh, a good peak milk yield sets the herd up for the entire lactation. So we've often seen poor performance in herds that can be traced back to issues that prevented a good peak milk yield earlier on. So, for example, it might be bad weather forcing the cows back indoors to moderate quality silage or maybe not having enough of feed space indoors or so on. And, and when this happens, it can be difficult to get cows to make up the difference in lost milk later on. In terms of dietary additives that increase performance, Agilin is one of those products that Dairy Gold uses in one of its own main dairy feed ranges. And we have proven in Irish work that this product has a very beneficial effect on milk performance. So we carried out two trials in Park recently, and we tested the product under a typical Irish milk production system. And when Agilin was included in the diet for a full trial, a statistically significant effect was found in the second half of the trial, where the cows produced an extra 0.04 kilos of milk solids per day. And the previous autumn, Park reported an even greater milk solids response in favour of the Agilin group of 0.06 kgs per day. So this was a very significant result because it was achieved at grass on very low levels of concentrate. And this is unlike many of the products that are trialed in intensive, you know, TMR-type situations. You know, they're fine in those situations, but how do they perform in Irish situations? So in this regard, Agilent seems to be very, very unique. And the feedback from our customers uh, of this product echoed these responses. 
Now, that's all very important. And indeed, we've been talking there about BCS. Is body condition scoring, BCS, the most practical way to monitor a farmer's success in controlling weight loss? It's very good to get a picture of where we stand at a point in time. And there's no doubt about that. But monitoring milk constituents and their movement over time, even a relatively short time period, that can indicate changes in energy balance that the eye won't see for a long time afterwards. So I would say that body condition score changes often go a bit too far before they become visible uh, to the eye, from my own experience. Uh, Milk protein content, on the other hand, uh, which is regarded as being an excellent indicator of energy balance, that's readily available. So any of our milk suppliers will have, you know, a few uh, milk protein measurements every week. They might have three a week or, or four a week or whatever the figure is. And that can be a much faster indicator of problems arising. Um, Similarly, milk fat content and the fat to protein ratio, they can be very useful tools to give a a very early indication of problems arising from excessive fat loss or indeed issues with ketosis. So I'm, I'm not saying to ignore the eye and body condition scoring. You know, I definitely do all of those but I would suggest to use the milk constituents also. And your dairy gold area sales manager will be well able to advise you in this regard. So essentially, we're talking, Coleman, about BCS being part of an integrated monitoring system, but not to rely totally 100% on BCS and ignore those other very important, vital, complementary situations you've referred to earlier in our conversation. Yes, correct. That's correct. Yeah. Now, finally, to wrap up, what should a person watch out for in good compound feed? Obviously, you want to get value for money, and we know all about the impact on feed and other aspects of animal nutrition. But what should a person be watching out for in a good compound feed? Is there any way you can check on this or you know, check the label or in some way you know, try and ascertain before you buy it what the very best type of uh, compound feed value for money would be? Yes, certainly I would say check the label and, and study it carefully. Um, I would start with um, good quality ingredients, John. That's the first place I would start. And the label will give you this information. Uh, so I would say that a concentrate feed by definition is meant to supply a lot of nutrients in a small amount of feed. In other words, the nutrients are concentrated in a small amount of feed. But we've seen many ingredients in the market that that I personally would not use because of their low energy density or or their poor protein digestibility. Uh, Now, they are cheap, and they're cheap for a reason, and they they reduce the cost of the feed. Uh, And this, indeed, will have an appeal to some people, but I would warn those people of possible consequences of using these ingredients. In terms of performance-enhancing additives like yeast or agalin and so on, um, I would suggest to people that they should be proven, ideally, under Irish conditions. And this is one of the rules that that Lumberstown Mill always tries to insist on, if at all possible. And, And I personally know of instances of products that performed well in intensive TMR type situations but they completely failed uh, to impress uh, or just failed full stop under, under Irish conditions. So, like, we have a very different system of milk production in this country compared to other countries. And the trial work that our products need to go through needs to reflect that. Really, that's what I'm saying. Um, 
many of the products and the ingredients that we use in Lumberstone Mill are selected, in fact, on this basis. In terms of inclusion rates, all additives and ingredients, they must be used at recommended rates because responses to these ingredients invariably are dose-related. So the more you put in, the more you get out, generally speaking. And we would often see expensive-type ingredients, so the likes of, say, protected fats. Uh, we would often find that they are, are often used at very low um, inclusion rates, you know, when, when we see some labels that are used out there in the market. And while this is fine, it would be wrong to lead the customer to believe that the full response can be achieved from such low inclusion rates of these products. So in Lumberstown, we increase the concentration of many ingredients like trace minerals and so on and so on when the feeding rates drop, so to try and offset the lower intake of these additives. And this would be the case for many ingredients, so the likes of yeast, uh, buffers, biotin, uh, biotech minerals, protected fats, and so on. And in this regard, I, I think that we are pretty unique. Uh, and then finally, I would say just to, to feed the recommended rates of concentrate according to your individual uh, situation. So th this is probably a subject in its own and maybe too much to get into here, but there are different situations and scenarios out there, you know, in terms of, of soil type and turnout dates, in terms of grass availability, in terms of silage quality, and at the moment, definitely silage availability on some farms. You know, genetics varies a lot. So as always, I would say, you know, if you consult with your area sales manager or uh, your area sales manager, they can certainly advise and help you in this regard. Speaking to Mr. Coleman Purcell, nutritionist, Agri-Division Dairy Gold, at the Lombardstown feed mill. But could I ask you to wrap up, Coleman, in terms of animal feeding, to name the areas that are topical at the moment and what should farmers be focusing on? Yeah, I would just say, just to summarise, maybe, you know, to try and optimise growth rate in your calves, uh, and obviously feeding will account for some of that, also health, health and comfort and so on. And in terms of dairy cow feeding, I would say the areas to focus on would be minimise body weight loss at the moment between now and breeding, and just uh, target to get a good high peak milk yield. Can people contact um, Dairy Gold at Lombardstown, or how would uh, people interested in finding out more about nutrition, how would they contact a sales representative or someone at the mill, or even your good self, Mr Coleman Purcell, nutritionist? <laughs> Yeah, look, any of, any of our customers can ring the mill directly. Um, they can um, they can ring their area sales manager. Their numbers are, are well out there in the public and, and they're on internet and so on. Or very simply, they can call their local branch. So we're very open and available to people uh, that need to contact us. Can we say that the situation in the Ukraine, is it still influencing the cost of a compound, or is that something that's a factor, a lessening factor or an increasing factor? There's no doubt that it's, it's making raw material availability, you know, that small bit scarcer, and um, we've got to fish in different ponds as a result of it, you know, to find raw material, so it's certainly not helping. And, you know, if that situation came to a conclusion, it, it would certainly free up an awful lot of grain onto the, onto the world markets. There's no doubt about that. Well, let's hope for that end. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Coleman Purcell, nutritionist, agri-division, dairy gold agribusiness, based at the Lombardstown Feed Mill near Mallow. Thank you very much indeed, Coleman. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Thank you. 
Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Paul Mooney, author of the Irish Farmers Journal Land Price Report for last year, 2022, the latest period for which figures are available. Now, Paul, first of all, congratulations to you and the journal on publishing this tremendous land price report, normally priced at €15 or £15 in the north, but this is free of charges, included with the 18th of March, 2023, issue of the Irish Farmers Journal. A few of the main key findings of your report. Key findings, John. Number one, land supply has fallen for the past five, six, seven years, as you and your listeners know well. Last year, we've, we've, we got a small increase in the supply of farms for sale in the market. Now, number of farms up by about 5%. The number of acres involved up by about 8%. So, a modest incre- uh, increase in supply. Uh, key finding number two, we rep- we found a small increase in average price across the country, almost three percent, and it brought the price to just over twelve thousand euros, twelve thousand two hundred and eighty-eight euros per acre on average across the country. And of course, that's an average, a big spread to the lower end of it, and a big spread to the higher end of it. Now, I understand insofar as we can look at sales, the sales in Cork were fairly numerous relative to the rest of the country. Well, absolutely. Look, geographically, the biggest county, well, the biggest county yet, and uh, um, always a, a big county for farmland sales as well. A high number of farms for sale and a high, uh, a high number of acres for sale. So, meeting our criteria there last year, 100 farms put on the market and sold, uh, and the acres involved, just under 5,000. That was actually, in, in the case of Cork, actually down a bit in the previous year. We'd have had a, another 1,000 acres uh, in the survey the previous year at 6,000 acres, so down a little bit in supply. But on the other hand, John, perhaps perhaps a little bit related if supply was down, price rose. So uh, average price in County Cork rose by 7% in the previous year and was a strong price, 14,768 an acre. How is your report, your annual land price report, actually compiled? So we... Uh, keep a track, John, the farmers that are advertised for sale online and in local papers and national papers. Contact the auctioneers and we uh, get, uh, we, we, we get cooperation from them and get the uh, sales results for farms that were sold, either by public auction and also by private treaty. Now, obviously, those figures have to be treated in total confidence because if they're private treaty figures, but we just put them in, in an Excel kind of calculation, crunch the numbers and come up with averages for the country and for uh, each county. We'd exclude you know, small parcels under 10 acres because there might be site value coming into that and we'd exclude land at the other end with development zoning on it because it could go for, for huge money and it's not for farming purposes anyway. And we would exclude some things like pure stands of forestry, mature forestry, for example. It's not really farmland for farming as such then. Could we say you know, this report in terms of um, the dairy sector looking for land to expand, to add to their holdings, to comply with the impact of the European Union nitrates directive and the livestock units uh, per hectare. But in general, can we say that the farmers who require land for dairy expansion that's very scarce indeed, whereas there might be land available elsewhere in the country, but not near to dairying areas. Absolutely. There's always is uh, more land available up in some of the counties north of Leinster, for example, and in the west of Ireland there. Uh, and prices tend to be that, but lower land obviously is as scarce as the proverbial hen's teeth down around Cork and Limerick and neighbouring counties there, where there's a big, you know, big output of milk and a lot of great farmers 
and and uh, farmers who are looking, you know, who have been profitable really for many years, John, in fairness to them, and a, a good year last year, high high milk prices overcoming high costs. Um, so they have the firepower, in a sense, to, to acquire land. They're always keen to get land to ensure that their uh, farms will be viable, future-proof and viable going forward. And uh, they want to, as obviously, they want to try and grow their family income if they can. And, and secondly, of course, they're under pressure then to meet these uh, these higher standards for night beds and water quality and, you know, these tighter kind of, I suppose we call them tighter restrictions, really, and stocking and whatnot. It's forcing them again to, forcing some thousands, you know, three, three and a half thousand farmers are going to have to go out and acquire more land in the next year or two or else consider maybe reducing the size of their herds, you know, you know, which they won't want to do because, of course, that would reduce their family income. Now, we heard all about the controversy over Gresham Holdings and uh, big investment companies buying up uh, Irish land, etc. Is there any basis there for people feeling that um, people from outside the state are coming in with a checkbook and buying up land? Who is actually buying our Irish land? It created a lot of controversy, but the amount of land involved in the deal between Quilcia and uh, Gresham House is very small in reality in the bigger in the bigger scheme of things. And the minister for in, in charge of forestry at the moment, Green Party member, Minister Hackett, she... Uh, is keen actually that most of the new planting of forestry that will be done will be done by farmers on their own land. So, so um, I think we can welcome that. And we, we're expecting certainly a big demand for planting type land, big interest in such land, big interest in, uh, among farmers in doing a bit of planting on their own land. And the reason being that the government has uh, announced a new programme with higher grant rates and the grants to be paid for 20 years uh, not for the 15 years like it is in the current scheme. So this new programme, uh, we know most of the details. We're, we're waiting the final stamp of approval there from, from Brussels, you know, on it. A buoyant market in general? A buoyant market in 2022, John, the year gone by. And we'd expect a buoyant market again in 2023. We expect demand certainly to be strong there by dairy farmers and by people interested in forestry and planting forestry and whatnot. Um, looking, John, maybe at the counties with the dearest land, they absolutely would be the Leinster counties there. That's the effect spilling over from Dublin, you know. And we'd see the same effect spilling over from Cork and the other big cities around the country and uh, aside from the Leinster counties then it is County Cork actually that would appear then up there at one of the higher prices uh, when you when you rank counties according to the most expensive land Cork is up there with the price that's there this year um, of, of uh, 14,800 just under 14,800 um, and then at the other end of that particular scale um, you'd have counties like uh, Leitrim and uh, Galway and Cabot there where price would, would tend to be that bit lower each year and Mayo as well how can people obtain a copy of this Irish Farmers Journal Land Price Report 2022? And the land report there is free inside the Farmers Journal issue of the 18th of March. Uh, and they're asked for, for anybody else who needs to buy it for whatever purposes will be you know, available for purchase. There's 15 euros a copy, but uh, free with the uh, copy of the Farmers Journal 18th of March. Well, I must say congratulations to Mr. Paul Mooney, author of Irish Farmers Journal, Land Price Report 2022, a fabulous production and indeed a work of art. And it certainly gives a very detailed picture of how the land prices were faring in the year just gone, 2022. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you very kindly, John. Next in the programme, Recycling Farm Plastics. Mr. Lee Maloney, the Managing Director of IFF 
PG. First of all, Liam, welcome to the programme. Would you please remind our listeners what those letters stand for? IFFPG and the service you provide for farmers in Cork and indeed uh, right around the country. Hi, John. Delighted to, to join your show. Um, IFFPG stands for the Irish Farm Film Producers Group, which is a bit of a mouthful, but we're the National Farm Plastic Recycling Scheme. So our job is to uh, take money in from the companies who put farm plastic products on the market and use that along with a weight-based collection charge that we charge to farmers to provide a, a comprehensive recycling service throughout the uh, country for farmers. Have you uh, depots? How would people avail? How would farmers avail of your service? Yeah, we collect um, most of the material of, of what we call bring centres, which are one to two day events that we hold throughout the summer. So we hold them at livestock marts, at co-ops, at agri-merchants, sometimes at GA fields. So we bring in around 90% of what we collect there and we take the full range of farm plastics waste, but obviously the wrap and the pit covers uh, represents the majority of what we collect. Now, in addition to that, we also do a farmyard collection service. So if farmers want us to come out to their farmyard, we can do that. But obviously there's a little bit of a weight there and the charge is a little bit higher. Yeah, the minimum charge at the Bring Centre this year remains at €35 Euro for a half tonne of, uh, of black plastic. So a half tonne of black plastic is the equivalent to approximately plastic from around 250 bales or thereabouts. So that's the charge at the Bring Centre. At the, at the Bring Centre at the farmyard, it's a little bit more expensive because there's more cost involved in the minimum charge there is €60. Euro. Um, now, in addition to that, John, we also take in, for example, netting. Uh, waste that uh, farmers generate and a half ton size of uh, a bag of netting waste with the charge there is five euros and as well as that we take in a fertilizer bag and meal bag and um, spray drum waste and the charge for a half ton size bag of those waste streams is 10 euros um, 10 euros per bag is there a phone number or a contact or an email address where people could uh, check with you as regards collection of farm plastics um, from their own uh, premises or regarding the availability of the nearest uh, local service in Cork, Munster, and indeed nationwide? Sure, yeah. Our website is farmplastics.ie and people will get the information they need there with regards to how to use our Bring Centres. We will have our Bring Centre calendar ready from around the middle to the end of April. So from then, farmers will be able to find out when and where their local Brink Centre is. We try to use the same locations as much as possible each year. Um, if they want to ring us, it's 01-408-9966. And as regards bringing material to the centre, bringing waste material to the centre for recycling, you should try and bring cleaner plastics if you can. Exactly. We say the farmers try and bring the plastic in reasonably clean. Obviously, there's going to be small little particles of dirt in it, but we don't want it encrusted with clay or manure or anything like that. In the case of the wrap and pit covers, just bring it in loose in a trailer and we take it off, off, off the farmer loose. And with the other waste streams like the fertilizer bags and the netting and the uh, spray drums, bring those in separately in, in something like maybe an old half ton uh, fertilizer bag and we can take it off farmers. So we're only asking farmers, you know, to, to, to bring the material in reasonably clear, clean. There's a limit to what farmers can do because of the nature of the, of the work that they're doing. And I understand you publish regularly a calendar of the different collection dates and areas and regions of uh, Cork, Munster and Ireland in the Irish Farmers Journal. 
That's right. We use the Farmers Journal. We'll be advertising there from the end of April and we'll run maybe throughout the country, 200, 220 brain centres. In the case of County Cork, for example, our, our biggest county, we'll have maybe 22 or 23 brain centres. So they'll be running throughout the, the, the summer, as you say. It'll, uh, the advertisement will appear in uh, the Farmers Journal throughout the summer. It'll also be on our, our website information in relation to the brain centres. And any farmers who are on our database, John, they get a text message from us both a week and a day before their local brain centre as well. So farmers should hopefully be very easily able to find out about their local brain centre. Phone number is 01408-9966 and the website is farmplastics.ie. And I should just also say, John, that we had an absolutely exceptional year last year on the Farm Plastics Recycling Front. We achieved an 88% recycling rate. So the farmers of Ireland deserve a serious pat on the back for what they achieved last year. And that's um, like uh, recycling plastic from the equivalent of 18 million silage bales. So that just gives you an idea of the scale of recycling that's going on at the moment. So you would absolutely recommend to farmers to bring along their waste plastics. Years ago, it was quite a common sight before you got an operation, it was quite a common sight to see silage bags or plastic bags uh, on telephone wires and hanging from trees. So do you feel that your organisation, the Irish Farm Film Plastics Group, you have indeed uh, contributed greatly to enhancing the environment and eliminating waste plastics from flying all over the place. Absolutely, and, and, and the reason why we've been able to do that, John, is because we've had the support of farmers. Um, uh, for most farmers now, the recycling of farm plastics is just a mainstream activity that they do every year, every second year, and we've the support of the farm plastics industry as well. So it's because we have the support of those key stakeholders that we're able to achieve such a, such a spectacular recycling rate. As I said last year, the recycling rate was 88%, which is really uh, very high for a plastic waste stream. And due to what we might call the circular economy, by you redeeming waste plastics to some extent, well then, this in turn would end up with a decreased price for people. For farmers buying plastics, they benefit again in the circular economy from the fact that you're taking so much waste plastics and reprocessing it. Absolutely, and, and recycling the plastic is not just good for the environment, it is the most cost-effective and convenient way for a farmer to manage this particular waste stream, okay? So it's, 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 it's just the most logical way for him to manage his waste. And I should also say that we're increasingly supplying plastic to Irish recycling facilities. Um, last year, almost half of what we collected went to Irish facilities. So that's a very encouraging thing as well, because, you know, if we can manage this waste stream uh, on the island, that's much preferable to sending it abroad to be managed. Is there any alternative? Plastic really is so damaging potentially for the environment. Is there any alternative for Irish farmers when it comes to you know, using plastic and growing crops? Is there nothing else they can use? Well, in the case of, of, of making silage, John, there is no alternative. You know, in the case of making silage, you must use plastic. You must use the plastic because you need to create an anaerobic environment so that the, the grass will, will ferment and turn into a silage. So there is no alternative there. So uh, when it comes to silage making, and obviously for Irish farmers, silage making is preferable to hay making because of the type of climate we have. It's all about then making sure that we collect that plastic when it becomes a waste, we recycle it, and we make sure that it continues to circulate in our economy. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Lee Maloney, Managing Director of IWFPG Irish Farm Film Plastics Group. Thank you, Liam, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Coming up next on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Carberry Region Mockerin Farmer Report with uh, Laura Woods, Radio Officer. 
Hello, my name is Laura and I am bringing you the Carberry Mocker News. I hope everyone had a nice St. Patrick's Day. You may have seen some of our members taking part in parades throughout West Cork. Congratulations to Clonakilty Mocker who continue their All-Ireland winning streak having been crowned Mocker All-Ireland Impromptu Debating winners last week in Ennis. The team was made up of Joseph O'Sullivan, Anne Barrett and Liam O'Driscoll. Well done to Anne, who also won Best Debater on the night. A great achievement all, you have done the region proud. Kilmeen Mocker had a great turnout last Friday night to celebrate a very successful Mocker year for the club so far. Well done and continued success for the future. Now for some upcoming dates for your diary. Cora Mockra will be hosting a music bingo fundraiser on Friday the 31st of March starting at 8pm in the Travellers Rest in Cora and everyone is welcome. Carberry Mockra are delighted to have been chosen to hold the Mockra National AGM in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry on Saturday the 13th of May. This will see Mockra members from all over the country travel to Bantry for the weekend. If any business would like to avail of the opportunity to advertise at the AGM, please contact us through our social media pages. As you can see, Mokra has something for everyone and with clubs located from Inishannon to Bera, there is bound to be one near you. So if you are between the ages of 17 and 35 and are interested in joining or would like some more information, please contact us through the Carberry Mokra social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Thank you. And thank you, Laura, for that uh, news update from the Mokrana Firma Carberry Region. Laura Woods, Radio Officer, Mokrana Firma Carberry Region. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association Sheep Chair, Mr Sean McNamara, has repeated the importance of supporting the ICSA's campaign for a rescue package for sheep farmers. He said, from ordinary sheep farmers to TDs and consumers alike, it's vital that support for the sheep sector is demonstrated. He said, the sector is now in crisis and nobody should be turning a blind eye to what's going on. Mr McNamara said the ICSA is campaigning for a portion of the Brexit Adjustment Reserve Fund to be channelled into a €50 million emergency support package for sheep farmers to cover 2023 and 2024. He said the margin for sheep people per yo had been all but wiped out, having dropped over 80% in 2022 and languishing at just €7 a head. There is also, he said, zero optimism that things will improve at all during this year 23. For any package to have a real impact, it must therefore cover 2023 and 2024. He said the ICSA believes the repercussions of Brexit have been hugely detrimental to the financial well-being of sheep farmers. He said sheep farmers had always been amongst the lowest earners and therefore were the least able to withstand outside forces chipping away at their income. Brexit, Mr McNamara said, is one of those forces and has left sheep farmers in an even more vulnerable position. Sheep farmers, he said, had been definitely hardest hit by Brexit consequences. Pre-Brexit, there was a New Zealand WTO tariff rate quota of 228,000 tonnes. This goes back to 1995 Uruguay Round, in which a WTO global trade deal was done. It meant that the European Union agreed to take in up to 228,000 tonnes of New Zealand lamb at zero tariff rate. 
This, he said, was very much at the behest of the UK, who wanted the lamb and who wanted to help their Commonwealth allies in New Zealand. Mr McNamara said that after Brexit, it could have been argued that the majority of that quota, the 220,000 tonnes, should have left with the UK. Instead, he said, it had been split 50-50 between the UK and the European Union 27 states. This meant the EU retained a quota of 114,000 tonnes and the UK only took 114,000 tonnes. He pointed out the UK has just concluded a free trade agreement with New Zealand, which commits them to another 35,000 tonnes of New Zealand lamb tariff-free for the first four years, rising to 50,000 tonnes thereafter. The ICSA sheep chair said this reinforces the point that the UK should have taken a bigger share of the original EU quota. Instead, we are seeing New Zealand imports to both Europe and the UK rising significantly. For example, January to August 2022 saw a 24% increase in New Zealand lamb imports to the EU compared to the same period the previous year. The cumulative effect of these has resulted in the destabilisation of the sheep sector to such an extent that it warrants intervention. Mr McNamara said he is calling on all TDs to back the sheep sector. The sector is too important to lose. We need support. We need it now. It's incumbent on all TDs to bat for sheep farmers and help deliver the aid they so badly need. And that's part of a statement there from Mr Sean McNamara, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Stuart Childs, Dairy Specialist, Chagask Moor Park near Fomoyan, County Cork. First of all, Stuart, welcome to the programme. Now, very important news. You want to remind listeners that the Chagask Breeding Week is taking place from Monday, the 20th of March, up to Friday, the 24th of March, inclusive. So, more about the Chagask Breeding Week, Stuart. Yes, John. So uh, this week is going to be breeding week. So it might seem a little bit early for people, but we're just trying to get the, the messages out there as early as possible so people can make the right uh, decisions in advance of their breeding seasons, which will be commencing on a lot of farms in mid to late April. So the week is going to be a, a mix of, of a, a number of events and so forth. So for the whole week, we're actually linking up with the ICBF to deliver a how-to series on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday at lunchtime. Uh, so people can actually uh, link in to any one of those uh, webinars if they want to. But they have to register for those, but they can link in to see what is uh, um, the different areas that they can focus on in terms of uh, the different elements that the lads are going to be talking about. So the first uh, one that's taking place on Monday will be how to review EBI and herd management reports to identify breeding goals and objectives for the farm. When we talk about the Chagask Breeding Week, could you please confirm dates, um, it begins and ends, and I understand you also have news about a very important, very interesting beef walk. Beef farm walk was meant to be on last Wednesday, um, but it's actually changed dates due to weather conditions last week. It was postponed, so it's now going to take place on Tuesday the 21st of March and that's on the farm of James O'Sullivan down in Union Hall in Skibbereen and people can look into look at local press there for um, information in relation to that. 
So just to highlight to people that that was postponed last week and I suppose that it's going ahead now again next week instead. So um, just to talk, come back to the breeding week as we were discussing, John, um, so breeding week is, is going to run from the 20th of um, March to the 24th of March, so all of next week. Um, I suppose the first thing that we'll be running is on Monday we've linked up with the ICBF to run a, a how-to series all through the week. So on Monday, uh, March 20th, Kevin Downing is going to be discussing how to review EBI and herd management reports to identify breeding goals and objectives for farms. On Tuesday, the 21st of March, uh, Dan Reardon is going to talk about identifying the, the cows that you will use for dairy AI, sex semen and beef AI. Um, Siobhan Ring is then going to talk about beef sires to generate better calves on the Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Dan is going to be back again to talk about how to identify the team of dairy and beef bulls that people should be using to improve or achieve the breeding goals that have been identified by Kevin in the earlier um, webinar on Monday and the use of sire advice to kind of match those up as well. And then finally, Brian Kingston is going to be talking on Friday about recording heat and AI serves and how to monitor performance during the breeding season to maximise that physical element of the actual breeding season. So that's one element of the week, um, John. There, it's a combination of kind of podcasts, webinars, and uh, a couple of farm walks. Uh, now, the main farm walk will be taking place on Wednesday the 22nd in Kildalton College, and it's been run by the Watford Kilkenny unit. And they're looking at um, all the uh, many of the topics that we'll have discussed there. There'll be boards on cow and bull selection, obviously, the selection of the beef sire and the dairy sire, and also we'll be looking at sex semen and the um, role of synchronisation in, in the use of sex semen on farms as well. I suppose what might be of interest to people as well is that the three main AI companies, Dove, Munster and Eurogene, are all going to be at the at the walk as well. So there will be there will be representatives from those three companies there for people to talk to after the walk if they want to. Thank you, Stuart, very much indeed. Thanks a million. No problem, John. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors again this week. Barry O'Malley, 96FM and C103 News Editor, who covered uh, for the previous two programmes while I was away, to Marie Tuig, 96FM News Reporter and News Announcer and creator of the Farm Talk podcasts, to Laura Woods for the fortnightly Macrofirma reports from the Carberry region. As always, we thank you, the listener, for tuning in, 7am to 8am, Saturday mornings, 10pm to 11pm, Wednesday evenings. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.